sleep by yourself. How many of you know that's just not, in, it's not cool? And it's hard to go to sleep, isn't it? You're sitting there with a clicker. Click, click, click. And then, top that all off, Jeff said, I don't want you to sing Sunday morning. He said, I want you out of the praise team. And I'm going, man, I just don't feel right. I'm sitting out here and walking around. Now I know how some of you feel. I had to go to the bathroom during the praise and worship. So I've got some, you know, I can identify with some of you guys. He didn't really kick me out. He just said, well, since Mary Lou's gone this weekend, why don't you take a break? And I don't, really don't like to do that. So just fell out of place. Anybody ever feel out of place? Somebody, some of you are here this morning, you feel out of place. This may be, how many, this is your first time to be in Freedom Fellowship in a worship service. Raise your hand. Look around, guys. There's a lot of people. It's the first time. And yeah, we're glad you're here. And I know what it's like to visit another church. It's kind of weird, too, isn't it? You kind of walk in. You're checking everything out. You're going to make sure everything's good. You can find your way around. You first thing you need to do is locate the bathroom, especially if you have little kids. You want to find the children's workers. You want to find out what's going on. And so everything's a little bit new for you, and you just feel a little different. Well, that's just kind of how I felt today, Carol. Just, you know. I got, other, I got strange people living in my house while my wife's gone. I got my brother from Houston, my sister from Dallas, and her husband. So I've got new other people in my house. So everything's kind of turned upside down. But God is good. And that's why this, every time God gives me a message to share, it's, that's where the enemy hits me. So if you want to be a preacher, just think about this. You better be careful about what you... You know what God's going to give you because the enemy will test you. He will tempt you in all those areas. So today, I'm doing this series called the Re-Series. Don't know why God gave me a series called the Re-Series, but we're in the fourth week, and our word for today is rejoice. Can y'all say rejoice? Rejoice. You know, it's just a fun word to say, isn't it? Rejoice! And again, I say rejoice. Remember that little song we sang when we were kids? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. And we did that like the, we had different people start at different times. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Why are you looking at me that way? Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I don't think Chris Tomlin's ever done that on one of his albums. It would be awesome, wouldn't it? But I'm glad you're here this morning uh, because God has a word for you, and it's about being able to rejoice. And, you know, that's one of those words in, in the Christian, uh, in our lingo that we use is one of our, sometimes it's just a religious word. We say, man, you just need to rejoice in the Lord. He says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And we give all those pat answers to people that are going through the worst things in their life. We mess up that way sometimes, church. Not that those are not the right things to say, but it's sometimes it's just the way we say it. We come across with, hey, this, I, I know what you're going through, and you just need to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And we don't really understand the implications of what that means sometimes. We just speak it out, and then we go on our merry way because everything's good in our life, right? So we're going to watch a little video clip this morning, and I think this one might be the reality. See if you can identify with the people in this video. There are two people in this video. Just see if you can identify. And then we're going to look at how, what it really means to rejoice in the Lord. 
rejoice in the Lord always. Oh no, not that again. I will say it again. Rejoice. I told you not to say it again. What does that even mean? Rejoice. Rejoice? Rejoice. Well, for one, I don't know what it means to joyce, so how am I supposed to redo that? Yeah, more like reject. Rejoice. Verb, Middle English from the Anglo-French rejoie, meaning to welcome, enjoy, to be glad, to feel joy or great delight. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, God, you want me to feel this way always? Really? Hey, I just got a flat tire on the highway. Rejoice! Rejoice in the Lord always. Sure, my husband just lost his job. We don't have money for groceries. My kids hate me, but praise the Lord. I get it. Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder. It's the truth though, right? I mean, God really does want us to rejoice in all things, always. Rejoice in the Lord always. So then I guess I should just start skipping around the house while I pick up the dirty socks and underwear off the floor. And I can sing while I prepare a meal that no one will like, whistle a happy tune while I try to figure out how we're going to pay the bills this month. You know, there are a lot of things in this book that are easier said than done. I'm just so sick of this bumper sticker, billboard, church sign, cliche Christianity. The world is going to hell in a handbasket, and you want me to rejoice? And those guys on TV in their gigantic churches, they're always squinting at me and smiling just a little too much. I think they're trying to hypnotize me with their teeth. I'll have what he's having. Just give me one good practical application for how I'm supposed to be happy in the midst of everything that's going wrong in my life. Happy clappy magic fun ball! Life sucks, but praise the Lord anyhow. <laughs> praise the Lord. Sure, I'll do that. Sounds great. Rejoice in the Lord always. Don't say it. I will say it again. Rejoice. I heard you the first time! Does that kind of hit some of you? Anybody identify with that? Happy, slappy, clappy, whatever. <laughs> well, let's talk about that this morning. You know, God mentions that word rejoice. I'm going to give you some statistics from the New King James Version. The word rejoice is mentioned 235 times in the Bible. The word joy or joyful is mentioned 100. And 88 times in the Bible. That's over 400 times just for those words. Okay, the Hebrew word. I want to teach you a Hebrew word and a Greek word today. And be careful not to get your neighbor wet when you say it, okay? Here is the, the Hebrew word for rejoice is semach. Say semach. Semach. You got to have the in there, okay? Semach. All right, that you just learned a Hebrew word for rejoice. Anybody get wet? Okay. The uh, Greek word is, I've listened to it several times, it's haroch. Haroch. <laughs> it's like you're almost saying my name, haroch. Haroch. <laughs> anyway, that's the Greek word for rejoice. Uh, so I did a research of that word. And the, the, the bottom line for the word rejoice in the Bible, or the Greek word and the Hebrew word, is it means to be glad. 
Just to be glad. That's the simple definition, is to be glad. Okay, so I looked up glad. And glad is mentioned 148 times. And I looked up glad and talked about being happy. So I looked up happy, and there's happies in the Bible 21 times. But most of the time, blessed or blessings are equated with happy or happiness, okay? So I looked up the word blessed or blessings, and it's listed 467 times. Over a thousand times, God talks about being glad, being happy. So there must be something to the fact that Christians should be happy, that we should be glad. So I want us to look at, I want us to dissect that a little bit this morning. You know, many of us know that, that great scripture from Nehemiah 8, verse 10. And the, the last part of that verse says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So we rejoice in the Lord. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. How do we rejoice in a life with all the obstacles and all the problems that all of us face? There's not one of you except maybe some of the little bitty kids that don't, you know, they're in la-la land. That came in here this morning. There, there weren't some things going wrong in your life. There were some things that you just were like fighting that you were struggling with. If I ask you to just come up here and make a lineup and tell us what your struggles were, we'd all be going, oh, 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 oh. Man, that hurts because it does. We are called to be a people that are glad in the midst of the junk that's in our lives. And that's not always easy to do unless you have the proper perspective of what rejoicing really is all about and that's what i want you to leave here with today is i want to have a a, a perspective of why we are to rejoice and i think once you leave once you get this this morning hopefully you will have more joy in your life and you will see circumstances but you'll see yourself in a different light in those circumstances we're going to look at at philippians 4 for a little bit so if you have your bible flip over to philippians 4 philippians is just an awesome book in the bible and while you're looking for that Paul talks about joy in, in Philippians, just the whole book, like 12 times. He, he talks about this joy. And that's where that scripture comes that they spoke this morning. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. That's Philippians 4.4. 4. Now, as he talked about all these situations in the church in Philippi, and said to rejoice and rejoice, and again I say rejoice, and have, he, was, he was writing this, from, from his living room where he had a big screen TV and he had a nice computer laptop. No, where was he writing this from, church? Prison. He was writing this letter from prison. And he was telling everybody else, you need to rejoice. Okay, so let's look at this rejoice thing. Go back to verse 1. Philippians 4, verse 1. Therefore, my beloved, this is Paul, the apostle Paul, writing this letter, and he said, My beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. He said, Man, you guys are my joy. I love you. And he's cultivated these friendships and brought these people into the kingdom. And then he kind of shifts gears real quick. He says, I implore Yodia. It's not Yoda. It's Yodia. And I implore Yodia, and I implore Sintach. That's got one of those two. <laughs> he says, I implore these two women to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, that's key, so you might want to under- underline that. 
in your Bible, okay? He was talking to two women, and he starts out this, this fourth chapter, and he's talking about these two women. Now, apparently, these two women were having some conflict in the church. I'm glad that never happens here. Two women were having this quarrel of some sort, and they, they never label it. They're having this little uh, disagreement in the church. Now, Paul, instead of, he's a very wise man, man, he's got this godly wisdom. Instead of taking sides with Yodia and Sintech, he says they need to be of the same mind as the Lord. He didn't try to tell them where they were wrong, where they were right, which side he was going to take. He said, look, you need to be of the same mind in the Lord. They had forgotten their, their common ground that they were created for. They had forgotten what they were about in the body of Christ. Don't we do that sometimes, church? We get our agenda and they get their agenda. And so we start walking in our different agendas. And God said, no, I want you to walk in the same agenda. Be of the same mind in the Lord. We didn't, he didn't try to correct them. But that's what we have in churches around the world today. We have conflicts in the church because people have forgotten about the common ground that we all share. And that's Jesus Christ. Amen. There was something greater, something that they might be missing, something that they had forgotten. Now, here's what I think the key to that is. Look back at verse 3. After Paul talks about his companion, about Clement, how he wanted to help them get these women together and, and to bring healing to them and the rest of his fellow workers, he said this, your names are in the book of life. Your names are in the book of life. So I'm looking at this scripture and I'm going, why, was, why did he go from there to rejoice in the Lord always? And again, I say rejoice. Because the last thing he said before he said that was, your names are in the book of life. We don't get excited enough and we don't rejoice enough over our salvation. He was saying, look, I know there's some quarrels in the church. I know there's some things wrong in the church. But your names are written in the book of life. That's a jump up and click your heels kind of thing, you know? I'm serious. They were rejoicing. He said, look and rejoice in the Lord. All your names are written in the book of life. Now, listen, I've come to this conclusion as I did this study this week. Christians are the only people that have the right to rejoice. You hear me, church? Believers that know Jesus Christ, that their names are written in the book of life. We're the only people that have a right to rejoice. The world has no right to rejoice. If they're lost, they're going to H-E-L-L. It's not a good place. I don't care what they've amassed. I don't care what fortunes they have. I don't care how many kids they have. Listen, bottom line is if you die and you go to hell, you don't have any right to rejoice here on this side of hell. Right? But we don't get that excited about our salvation anymore. Somebody comes up here and gets saved. Well, so-and-so came to the Lord. Yeah, praise God. That's good. We ought to, the, the place ought to shake when somebody comes to Christ. We ought to get so happy. You know, we go, oh, i got to get out of here. i got to get to lunch. i got to get to the fast food place before the line gets too long. Somebody got saved. That's cool. Somebody gets baptized. That's all right. No, 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 no. We, we've missed it somewhere along the way. If the angels are throwing a party, if the people in heaven are throwing a party, shouldn't we throw a party? We rejoice because we are in Christ. 
we have our hope in Christ. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14. This is, again, this is the Apostle Paul. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That means they died. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Those without Christ have lived a life of sorrow. They live a life of grief. They live a life of deadness. We're alive in Christ. Praise God. When is the last time you truly rejoiced for your salvation? When's the last time? Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to just get up and go, yeah! Come on, stand up. Shout, thank God for your salvation this morning. You're going to heaven. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. My smile factor just went up. We should wake up every morning. Listen, this is something you need to write down. This is, so, this is so profound. Every morning when you wake up, you say, thank you, Lord, that I'm saved. That's a good way to start the day, isn't it, Basil? Lord, thank you that my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you that you received me into the kingdom of God. Thank you that I'm a member of the body of Christ. That will, will kickstart your day. No matter what you're facing, it'll kickstart your day to be a successful day. Because when the enemy comes, when he starts throwing, slinging mud at you, when the, when the bills come in, when the, the landlord says you haven't made, I mean, you, can just, you, you can cry, you can be sorrowful, you can grieve. Listen, you can do that. But you can also say, hey, I'm going to heaven. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He might not know this. I might not can pay my bills right now, but I'm going to heaven. And that's for eternity. See, I'm not saying this morning you can't be sorrowful. You know, some people will say, well, you, you, you should never be unhappy if you're a Christian. You should always be up here somewhere. I'm not saying that. Jesus, it says in Isaiah, was a man of sorrows. He was a man of sorrows. We grieve over the people that are lost. I hope you grieve over people that are lost. But listen, the bottom line is we can rejoice in the Lord always. And we can, we can say it again. We'll rejoice because our name is written in the book of life. Now, unless, of course, you're here this morning, your name's not in there. No click at the heels. No shouting for joy. And you might be one of those people. This is kind of an evangelistic message this morning because, for one, I want Christians, we need to be excited about our salvation. But if you're lost, you need to go, hey, I want to be excited about the end result. Because the Bible says you're, you're basically a dead man walking. If you don't know Jesus this morning, your fate is, man, it's not good. But you come to the right place today. Because the Spirit of God will speak to you. Holy Spirit will draw you. you say, look, you're here for a reason. Don't leave this place until you can click your heels. Don't leave this place until you can know that you know that you know that your name is written in the book of life. It's sealed to the day of redemption. Let me look at this a little bit further. I, I, just, I saw some parallels here I think are really cool. Look at Luke uh, chapter 10. You know, Jesus, he had more than 12 disciples. A lot of people thought he just had 12 and one of those left. He had a lot of disciples. 
but he had an inner circle in a bigger, you know, more close-knit circle. But at one time, he had 70 people, and they were like following Christ. They were not just fans. They were followers, and they, 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 uh, he sent them out, and he sent them out to go heal the sick and cast out demons and raise the dead. Man, he, they were going out, and man, they were having a great time, and they were all coming back, and they were very excited, and they were telling Jesus all that happened. He said, then the 70 returned with joy. And they were rejoicing. Hey, Jesus, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They were all excited. They were casting out demons. And I love what Jesus said. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, look at that, nevertheless. It's important you see the nevertheless. Do not rejoice in this. Wow, Jesus, wait a minute. You said go do that stuff, and we did it, and it was pretty cool. We saw demons coming out, man. We were doing just what you told us to do. So we're rejoicing. You don't said don't rejoice in that. He said don't rejoice in that. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in that, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Jesus knew something. You know, if you go out and you do things, and listen, I'm saying they were doing what they were supposed to do. Jesus never wants us to get our focus on things and the doing. He always wants us to come back to what he has done. James and Peter, the day they healed, they walked up and laid hands on the guy at the gate, beautiful, and he was healed, and everybody was, oh, wow, y'all are awesome, awesome. And they went, wait, 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 no, get back. It wasn't us that did us, it did that, it was Jesus that did that. Listen, people tend to get, they get these things called uh, power, prideful power things that happen in their life when, they, when they're doing things for God and they see these great results if they're, if they're not focused on rejoicing in the Lord and rejoicing on the true things that, that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life they can get so puffed up, overwhelmed with pride that God can't use them anymore they can and I think that's what he was warning these guys of, look, I, y'all did some great things but listen, it wasn't you that did that, it was me don't get so excited over that. Get excited that you're going to go to heaven because you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But we should get excited over the fact, even though we don't deserve it, God gives it to us by our faith reaching out to him, by the blood of Christ falling on us. Gives us a new perspective to me. It gives me a new perspective about rejoicing. Paul says in First Thessalonians 5, flip over there. First Thessalonians 5, 16, 17. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Here's the kicker to that one. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I always had a problem with those verses. Those always verses always mess me up. 
Did that you? Or are y'all just a lot more spiritual than me? <laughs> Don't they kind of mess you up? Pray always while I'm watching the Cowboys? While I'm praying for Tony Romo to complete a pass? <laughs> Sometimes that's the only time y'all pray. <laughs> I'm not going to say what I was thinking. But, uh, that will get you in trouble. And my wife wasn't even here to say, huh? But really, we, we see these verses, rejoice always. And we go, well, I just, like the guy in the video, I had a flat tire. You know, praise God. <laughs> I don't know that many of you do that. I do know that we can say, God, I'm glad I had a car that actually could have tires that could have a flat. <laughs> so I thank you for my car. Uh, so-and-so friend of yours gets cancer, and it's hard to say, well, I'm just going to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I, say, I don't think that's what he means by rejoicing always. Praying without ceasing, I don't believe that means we have to pray all the time on our knees with our eyes closed. Or, you know, I pray before my meals, but then I start eating and I quit praying. Unless I start something rumbles, then I'll start praying again. <laughs> oh, Lord. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. God is talking about, I believe God is talking about the way we fellowship with him and are connected to him. When he talks about rejoicing always, I think he's talking about how we view Christ, how we understand our salvation, how we understand our inheritance, how we understand who we are in Christ. I think that's part of the rejoicing always. Even when something goes wrong, we can say, look, I, I'm praying for you, and, and I'm lifting you up. Or if it happens to you, Lord, touch me, heal me, all those things. But listen, the bottom line is, He's in control. I think he wants us always to be mindful of the fact that he is in charge, that he is in control. And we don't have to walk in this fear because if I didn't pray 30 minutes today or an hour or two hours, that he was going to slap me down or he's going to send some lightning bolt my way. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about an attitude of always respecting, always worshiping, always being in line with him, always being, uh, knowing that he is God and that you're not. He wants us to recognize his greatness. That's why he told him, listen, I know you've cast out some demons and stuff, but don't be thankful. Don't be rejoicing in that. You'll get all puffed up. You'll think you're something. Because God, man... That scripture, he said, I am a jealous God. He really does mean that. He said, you shall have no other gods before me, especially not yourself. I didn't, I didn't give Clint the scripture, but it's in Hebrews 12. Can y'all flip your Bibles over to that? I want to share this with you. I, you know, in Isaiah 53, it talks about Jesus being a man of sorrows, grieved and in all of that. And we've, we use this scripture a lot, but I'm gonna, I want to show you something maybe you've not recognized before. Verse, or chapter 12. Therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. I always had a problem with that verse. Because I know when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Matter of fact, what he was saying there, God, if there's another way, let's do it, let's do it another way. Because he knew what was about to take place. And he said, God, if, there's a, if it's possible, then it's just possible, would you just take this cup from me? But then he followed that with, not, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And though, so I go to Hebrews 12, 2, and it says, for the joy, the, the, the cross that was set before him. Listen, he had a joy in the cross that was set before him. He had a joy in it because, listen, he was not looking at what was going to happen to him on the cross, the crucifixion, the spitting, the cursing, all those things, the, the sword in the side, the spear in the side. He wasn't looking at all those things. He was looking at you, Oli. He was looking at you, Basil. He was looking at you, Terry. He was looking at us. He said, that's the joy that's before me. He was looking way past all of that. He said, you're the, you're the joy set before me. I'll go to the cross. I will die for you because I have joy. I know that you're coming to Jesus, Kenny. I know that there's a day, Lord, that God's going to call you and you're going to respond and say yes. And your name is going to be written in the Lamb's book of life. That's our joy. Knowing that God is in control through eternity, not just here. It should change the way we walk this walk. It should change the way we look at things when we have an eternal kingdom perspective of life. When the finances are bad, when the marriage is going bad, when all these things are happening in our life, we as believers, hardcore believers that know that, know that, know that we know that Jesus lives in us, that we have an eternal destination that's glorious. The pain, yeah, we'll have the pain. We'll, we'll have the sorrow. We'll have the disappointments in life. We will. That's just life. Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. But he said, thank God I've overcome the world. We're overcomers by the blood of Jesus Christ. One more passage in Luke 15. I'm going to tell you this morning, if you have never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will never have joy. You will never have real joy. You can have the temporary fix. That's kind of like getting the new car. It's pretty cool for a while, isn't it? Ah, it's got that new car smell. Then your wife comes out of the grocery store and somebody opens the door against it. Bam! All of a sudden, it's not a new car anymore. It's a dented car. All the things that we can amass on this earth, guys, that will never bring joy. They'll bring maybe some temporary happiness because happiness depends on happenings in your life. But the real joy comes from knowing Jesus Christ. Bottom line. I will not back up from that statement. People who grumble the most, people who speak the most negative things are people who only see the problem and not the solution. People who are constantly critical of everything, those are people who are not trusting in the Lord. 
You're not recognizing that he's in control, so you're going to try to fix some things. You're probably all guilty of that, including myself. We try to fix stuff because we forget who's in control. And listen, when you're in, fixing, in, when you're in the fixing people mode, there's not much joy in that journey, is there? Matter of fact, there's a lot of disappointment. If Basil thought that every person that came in his office he could fix, he would be pretty frustrated. He knows he has to rely on Jesus. He's the one that does that work. Look at this in Luke 15, verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him. That was Jesus. And they, they, they drew near to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained. Saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Ah! <laughs> He's eating with sinners. So Jesus spoke this parable in saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and goes after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. I never saw this until I read this a couple of days ago. He lays this, the lamb on his shoulders. Y'all seen that picture, haven't you? What did Jesus do for us? Man, he put us up on his shoulders. He took our burden. He took the weight of our sin, and he put it up on his shoulders in the form of a cross. When he has found it, that the lost sheep, he lays it on his shoulders. What's he doing? Rejoicing. Rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I love that. People come to Jesus, and we go home. People came to Jesus, then they had a party. They said, Get all the friends, man. So and so got saved. And they're just excited. Found a sheep, one lousy sheep. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner, say one sinner, who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. I could have, t- I could have preached to you this morning on rejoicing. There's a million scriptures about rejoicing. There's a lot of implications in rejoicing. But what God showed me is that, listen, the first and foremost reason we have to rejoice is because we're his. That's it. That's it. Because we're his. That's my one point sermon. We belong to him. If you belong to him. Today I want you to be reminded of your salvation. That is if you're saved. And by salvation and saved, I know those are terms we throw around pretty loosely. That means you have your identities in Jesus Christ. That you have come to him and said, no more to my lifestyle, my living, my choices, but you, God. I give my life to you. I defer to you. I've come with all my sin. Father, you you paid for my sin through your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And I believe that when he died for me, he truly died for my sins. And I accept him I'm a follower of Christ. I'm not just going to watch him from a distance like the Pharisees did. They just looked at him from a distance. I'm going to get right there with him, and I'm going to die to myself and become what God's called me to be. 
It's more, it's more, it's more, it's more. Then God forgive me, I'm a sinner, come into my life, and then you forget what you just spoke. It's more than being dunked in some water with no meaning to it. Because I know I did that. It's more than that. It's you saying, I give my life as I know it to Jesus. I ask him to come in and take over. Will there be a struggle on the taking over part the rest of your life? Sometimes there is. There's a struggle between flesh and spirit. But when he comes in, when he really comes in, you'll know it. You will know it. You may bawl a million tears. You may not cry one. But you'll know when Jesus comes in, when the Holy Spirit takes residence in your life. And I want to I tell you this this morning. If you don't know that, if you're not sure of that, you need to make sure of it. If the words that are coming out of my mouth now, all of a sudden you're getting a little, your chest is pounding just a little bit, usually that's God saying, look, you haven't done it. You haven't given your life to me. I think one of the big deceptions in our world, in, in the world today, is that you pray a prayer and you're, you're in. That's a deception of the devil if you didn't mean it. Now, if you meant it, it, it works. Okay? If you submit to him, it works. I'm not discounting the prayer when somebody said, pray this prayer with me. I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying you'll know that you know. The, the spirit will bear witness with your spirit if you're God's. There are a lot of people, well, I'm not sure I'm saved. Well, you're not saved if you're not sure. I would hate for somebody to go to hell because I didn't explain that to them. Well, you know, they're, they're throwing some more fires on the log and you're, you're standing there. Well, he didn't tell me that. <laughs> I don't want anybody's blood on my hands. I want to speak the truth in love. For the Christians that are here this morning, I want you to walk out of here knowing that you know that Jesus Christ has written your name in the book. And that you can rejoice in that no matter what you're going through. Okay? Would you stand? Psalm 118, 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Love that verse. I've kind of taken that to mean for myself. This is for me, that it's a choice to rejoice. You make a choice to rejoice in your circumstances. You make a choice to rejoice whatever you're going through, to be led back to the cross and your salvation. So you can really rejoice. You can be glad. Psalm 511 says, But let all those who rejoice who put their trust in you Let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. Our joy is in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Would you bow your heads? I'm just going to ask the Christians in this room. All the Christians in this room, you know that you know that you're a child of the king. Why don't you just take a moment to remember your salvation, your experience, whatever it was, where it was, and just silently say thank you.
or vocally say thank you. And no matter what you're going through this morning, I pray that your foundation is that you know Jesus. He's your rock. He's the hand that's holding you up. That you know no matter what you're going through, he will deliver you. He's your, he's your shield. He's your rock. He's your defender. He'll go before you. He'll make a way for you. He just wants you to trust him this morning in whatever situation you're in. But maybe you just haven't thanked him lately for your salvation. But there are some of you here this morning that have never confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's some of you here this morning who have never said yes, or maybe you've prayed a prayer, but, man, it doesn't feel like you've, you know him. That, that your, your spirit doesn't bear witness with that. So I want to ask the same Christians that have just prayed what I ask them to pray, to pray for those that are lost here. Pray for courage for them to step out and say yes to Jesus Christ. You know, God's getting his pen ready. He wants to write your name down in the book of life. He, he wants to write it, and you know it's written in red. It's written in red. He wants to write your name down in the book of life. Listen, isn't that awesome to think about that? Just writing your name down in this huge book. You say, oh boy, one of my sheep, they got away, but I went after them. You know, it said Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. He came after us. But he says, if you seek me, you will find me. It's a mutual seeking. For those of you here this morning that don't believe in God, and yes, there might be somebody here that doesn't believe in God. This is, my, this is what I tell people that say that to me. Would you just begin to seek him? Just begin to seek him. Ask him to reveal himself to you. Because he's a man of his, he's a God of his promises. He said, if you seek me, you will find me. If you're here this morning, you don't even believe in God. You're here because somebody drug you in here. Or you're here because for whatever reason, but you just don't believe that there's a God because of all the crud that goes on in the world or the things that have happened to you. I want to just ask you to simply say, I will seek him. I'll seek him. Because he will reveal himself to you. He may have already revealed himself to you this morning.